All right, we're back with another episode, so we'll get it started with a little bit of history. Um, there wasn't too much going on. I, I couldn't find a lot, but one thing I thought was interesting was um, in 2012, the uh, viral sensation of the uh, Gangnam-style song um, by the artist, what was it? I think it was like Psy or PSY, I'm not sure how you pronounced it. Mm-hmm. It, um, it became the most viewed YouTube video with over 800 eight million views and i haven't checked it i should have done that to see where it is now but i'm sure it's it it is over 3.8 billion views on youtube (laughs) yeah it's crazy yeah it's really oh go ahead no i was gonna say i i i remember i can't believe but I guess I can, that that sort of like swept the nation out of nowhere. Yeah, it was the strangest thing. I'm not sure what it was, but people were obsessed with it. You couldn't escape the song. It was, it was, it was everywhere. Yeah, it's just one of those novelty things. It was like the biggest thing since the Macarena, really. <laughs> right, yeah, it was. One likes film, the other TV. Together, they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. Uh, all right. Welcome to another episode of It's a Streamable Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. We're going to get into our headlines. All right. First up on the TV side, HBO Max just announced today that season four of Search Party will be coming sometime in January. Okay. So we can get excited about that. And they've got a chock full of guest stars, including Susan Sarandon, a cameo from R.L. Stein, uh, Busy Phillips is joining this season. So oh, wow. it's, I'm not sure where they're going, but it looks like it's going to be interesting to say the least. Okay. And then just last week, we talked about, um, the CW's Black Lightning getting a potential spinoff. Well, this week we learned that season four will be the final season of the DC Heroes series as it's being canceled. So, and how many years had that been on? Uh, just three seasons. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I kind of, I mean, I'm kind of upset that it's ending that early. And also all the other series have been going on for so long. But I'm kind of glad that they haven't stretched it out because, I mean, like Arrow that went for like eight seasons, eight or nine seasons, I fell off around season four and a half, five, and it didn't pick back up until later. So shows with with about four or five seasons typically do better, just story-wise. So, um, yeah, that's kind of upsetting. All right. Well, then we'll flip over. Oh, oh yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, we'll flip over to the movie part of it. And um, this was something you written down, but it was uh, Sam Levinson, the director and writer of Euphoria. And um, I think he had Assassination Nation, another movie of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, his secret film will be debuting on Netflix in February. That's a big deal, because this was like done during the pandemic like no one knew about yeah, it yeah yeah and um so 
I guess we'll wait for that one to see what that's about. And then some news that kind of came out last week is that Wonder Woman uh, 84 will be released in theaters and on HBO Max December 25th. So that should be interesting. I think a lot of people are interested in seeing that, though. I Mm -hmm. am behind. I need to see the first one. So The the first one's decent, but people are more excited about that than this Justice League Redux or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, in movie news, um, the three... 355 or 355, I'm not sure how it's said. Um, Jessica Chastain's all-female-led movie that stars, I think it's her, uh, oh God, Lupita Nyong'o, Diane Kruger, uh, Penelope Cruz, and I think Fan Bing Bing, is that how you pronounce her name? I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, this movie about this group of women who are spies trying to stop this event of some sort for happening it was supposed to come out next year the 14th of january 2021 but it's been pushed back almost exactly a year to the 15th of january 2022 because of COVID reasons so yeah that was crazy to hear yeah because i forgot i mean i knew it was coming but i didn't think they'd push it that far like yeah an entire year yeah and just to add on to that, um, since we're watching The Undoing on HBO, Edgar Ramirez, who plays Detective um, Mendoza, mm-hmm. he's also in the movie. I just saw that. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. All right. That's the headlines. The biggest stories in TV and film to us that happened in the <laughs> past week. Uh, we'll go straight into our next setting, which is trailer things. Let us know what trailers you've been peeping of new content on the horizon. Okay, um, this one just popped up. It, it was really, really kind of strange. Um, it's on Netflix, and it's called The Ripper. And this one is about a man who, between the years of 1975 and 1980, had um, was killing women in, in Northern England. Um, murdering him. I'm not sure if he was raping him or, or not, but um, the the community couldn't catch this killer. But what's really interesting about this in, is that the guy just passed away, I kid you not, like last week, the 13th of November. So oh. two, week, two weeks ago, yeah, he died of COVID. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it was, it was very strange. And um, that happens and then this trailer comes out and it, his death was the first i had ever heard of this case at all and um but yeah so the trailer takes you through just the failures of the police how they didn't believe the women and how the women kind of took things into their own hands with you know protecting one another and mm. holding marches and everything but um, most of the women that died were um sex workers so okay yeah um yeah and then the second trailer i saw was the art of political murder and i think this is i think i spoke about this um uh a, a week or so ago when hbo put out the big trailer of their true crime stuff mm-hmm. but but yeah this is about uh, a bishop in guatemala and it involves the civil war and uh there, there, there's government involvement and leftist 
rebels involved and somehow this bishop Juan Girardi, I think is how you pronounce his name, uh, he ends up getting killed and it, things just go nuts after that about who did it and how they get some sort of justice. It was, it's in the trailer is, is very hectic, but that's on H, not H, yeah, that's on HBO uh, December 16th. Okay. Okay. Uh, the trailer I saw was the teaser trailer for Regina King's directorial feature, One Night in Miami. Yeah. Um, as I said before, I had seen this via a virtual film festival. It's an excellent film, but it'll be coming to us, the public, on January 15th through Amazon Prime. So the yeah. teaser previews um, the four main characters, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, and Cassius Clay. Um, and as, I didn't realize this film is based on the stage play that sort of imagined their one night in Miami together and the conversations they may have had. This was the precipice of um, Malcolm X about to transition to transition out of the Nation of Islam and Cassius Clay transitioned to Muhammad Ali. So it's like a pivotal moment in the yeah. 60s. So looking forward to that. And that, again, January 15th on Amazon Prime. Okay, yeah. All right, now we'll get into our streams of the week where we talk about all the things we're binging, all the content we binged in the last week, and sort of rank them from the best to the worst. So you can get an idea of what's out there that's good to stream and good to pass on. <laughs> so, right, right, right. Um, I'll let you go first because I watched this as well. I'm going to get your thoughts on it. So go ahead. Yeah, so I don't have much. Literally, the only thing I have down here is uh, uh, Crazy Not Insane, the documentary um, about the psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Dorothy Otnow Lewis. Um, she she studied the minds of, of murderers and and everything and this was on um hbo i think it premiered last week on saturday i, I don't know for sure but um but yeah so it it talks about her her history and everything that she did and um how she came up and uh how how she i guess how would you say it she she kind of well she kind of pioneered a right. new type of thinking that people aren't inherently evil that they become mm -hmm. bad because of circumstances that you know be it abuse neglect um poverty things that kind of shape and mold their minds and um i i personally thought it's very interesting is is the um i'm sure you agree the most the the person that gave me the most jitters was the dude that was the executioner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. because, and I never thought of it that way. That you know, the person that kills the people that kill people, right? Like what? How do they reconcile that? And he literally had no, no, remorse or conflict or anything. And she was like, "Well, right. what if he?" is indeed a sociopath i'm like oh my gosh like right you never think about that and then he pulls out his super abstract left field artwork and she's like 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this is his way of coping, and like yeah. he's knocking back beers while she, he's talking, and um, yeah. But no, it was it was really good. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy it too. Um, just the fact, you know, she, not only is she having has this radical view on crime in the right. era when you know they were upping the law and order sort right. of um, paradigm. But she was also a woman, and right. it just wasn't. She was going to dis- be dismissed regardless, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, and I, the documentary was just like straight up raw. I mean, it didn't show you yeah. like very like violence, but when they were talking to little kids about you know the abuse that had been inflicted upon them, they, I mean, there was no censoring or anything. It was just like, oh god. Like, yeah. So. Yeah, it was good. Really good. HBO is knocking out the park with the documentaries, like yeah, they, all the time. <laughs> all right, for me, um, there was a quite a few things I tuned into. I watched the first episode of Hulu's Animaniacs, the reboot. Okay. Um, it was pretty good. Yeah. I know I I watched it as a kid, but I think I was definitely more of a Tiny Toon Adventures fan. Yeah. But um, they still have sort of like the same sort of in cheek sort of snarky commentary um they even you know goop make fun of the idea of rebooting everything as they are a reboot um so it's really good and they they even updated like songs and certain things to be more politically correct which is nice right um and then i've been watching all rise on cbs this is the show that stars um simone missick as a new as a defense attorney who's, no, um, yeah, she was a DA who becomes a judge, um, okay. a black woman judge in Los Angeles. And this season, um, they're tackling like the Black Lives Matters protests and COVID and how that sort of affects her courtroom and her relationships with colleagues and stuff like that. So it's it's been right. pretty interesting. Um, I also tuned into on the TV side, ABC's Big Sky. Mm. Um, which will come on again tonight at 10. This is from David E. Kelly, his return to broadcast after he said allegedly he was never going to write for broadcast television again. (laughs) It's okay. Um, I was, I, 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 I got a feeling from the trailer that like, there wasn't much there like i wasn't really drawn in and then the episode really drug out i mean the ending people were hype about but other than that it just felt like another sort of crime procedural right right i think if it if it was on like cable or some other network streaming there would have just been more I don't know, hmm. not danger, but like higher stakes. It just felt very made for TV movie action. And yeah. I mean, it is ABC, so. And this is the one with, this has Ryan Phillippe in it. The cast is super weird. Yeah, and I was expecting like, I mean, spoiler, but the big surprise was Ryan Phillippe gets guy at the end. Oh. So it was like, wait, 
Now what? I kind of have tuned in for Ryan Phillippe and y'all <laughs> just take him out. Wow. Y'all took him out. And I guess I was supposed to be surprised, but to me, I kind of caught that, you know, the alleged killer was who they said it was. Cause he was just acting weird. And like, I don't know, the setup just wasn't very strong and the character. So maybe it'll, it will improve tonight, but first impression, it just was very great. Okay. Um, on the movie side, I watched the first in um, the first film of Steve McQueen's anthology series, Small Axe, which was Mangrove. Um, these are all uh, movies about um, Black civil rights in the UK, which is something as an American, I really don't know much about at all. Right. Yeah, we don't hear about. So um, the first one was called Mangrove. And it details uh, the people that were called Mangrove Nine. And they were a group of defendants who were arrested um, during a protest and we were being charged with like inciting violence, all that stuff like that um, in the 80s. Well, no, this would have been in the 70s because the Black Panther movement was kind of happening. So it was Letitia yeah. Wright. Um, I really don't know anyone else's name, but she's really good in it. Um, so you could check that out now on Prime. It's about 128 minutes long. And then I watched Run on Hulu, which apparently was the highest rated film ever streamed on the platform. Oh, wow. Yes, this starred Kira Allen and Sarah Paulson. It was supposed to come out, I think, this past spring. But because mm. of COVID, Hulu bought it. Um, about a young girl who... Um, is wheelchair bound has other elements and is taken care of by her mother sarah paulson and she discovers a dark secret about her mom and the truth about her living situation i've seen it done better sharp objects done this better yeah um and even invisible man where you know the plot basically right. did it did it better there was more surprises and fresh takes with the narrative where this sort of kind of predicted everything and the ending was a little unclimactic so okay yeah i think you sarah Poulsen's one of those actors that when her name's tied to anything she's going to bring in viewers yeah yeah and she's yeah. i mean the acting's good and the story just could have been a lot more tighter yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay all right, we'll now venture into No Concessions, where we'll have Brandon, our film concierge, sort of <laughs> recommend a film for us, new or old, where we can find it and why we should be seeing it. So take it away. Okay. So, um, yeah, this is our new, our new way of doing No Concessions, where I'm just going to recommend a film that I've seen. And the one that I chose for today is called Christine. And this came out in 2016, and it stars Rebecca Hall, as the main character, Christine, um, Michael C. Hall of Dexter fame, uh, Tracy Letts and Maria Dizia, um, all actors. Um, and so this film, it, when it came out, there was another film about the same topic that came out um, almost a month or so before. It was a little different, but I'll just get right to it. Um, Christine is about, uh, a woman named Christine Chubbick. This is based on true story. She was a journalist and newscaster in, I believe, Sarasota, Florida, and she killed herself live on television. And like 
that's the big part that comes at the end of the movie but um like there's no way of i i don't know how to say this i can't really spoil the movie for you because like we know what happens right yeah the the movie tells you kind of before it even happens um but uh so yeah what the movie does is actually show um her life and how uh you know what kind of led to to her unfortunate you know death uh she was like she was she was only 29 years old she had um this job and she was a very she's kind of not a shy person just awkward is what you get from the movie kind of just different she uh there was talk of like one thing they make hint to and if you read about her and all this is that she hadn't had sex yet uh she kind of lived in a house adjacent to her mother she's just very kind of kind of different from the times and this was in i believe she passed away in the 70s so that's what the movie's about but um rebecca hall uh does a, a really good job of portraying her. First of all, she kind of looks like her from pictures. There's not too many pictures of Christine Chubbuck, but um, she 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 looks like her. She's got this kind of awkward demeanor down. She's into the role. She she uh, um, there are times where she's very calm, and then she flies off the hinges. And Michael C. Hall kind of plays this man that she kind of has a crush on, but he's not interested in her and their coworkers. And it's 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 really good and it starts off light and and it builds slowly to the kind of this darkness that you know is coming and you know how it ends and uh and and i think that's maybe the maybe my favorite thing about it is that like i said you know the ending from the start of the movie but um there's nothing you can do about it you just got to sit and let it wait to happen but um yeah it's it's really good well directed um I th- I believe it was on uh, oh god I think it hit the what should we call it circuit festival circuit and then went to Netflix I'm not sure if it ever really went to the theaters mm. and if it did it wasn't there very long it was probably on the, in like special theaters but um good movie should check it out um it is on Netflix right now I'm not sure how much longer it's going to be on there cuz it's been on there for a while but um I think it's good to watch because it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things. You never know what people are going through and they, and and this movie doesn't try to glamorize the fact that she killed herself on television. Um, You kind of get that they wanted to just tell the story, tell what happened, not really glamorize it. And um, so, yeah, it was, it's really good. I enjoyed it. I've only watched it once. It's not something I think I can watch a couple times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's movies like that. That sounds really interesting, though. Yeah, but yeah, that's on that's on Netflix. So just just Christine. That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's our first no concession. So if you're interested, take a look at that. Search on Netflix or other streaming services to see if it's available. Christine. Yeah. All right, and we'll be right back after this short message. All right, we're back here again, and we are ready for our two big segments here. First up is our not segment, where we've been discussing two shows as of late. Um, first up, episode five of The Undoing, Trial by Fury. 
I have to say this might have been the best episode so far. I I would agree. We got we got a lot. Yeah. I think I, and, I think just in pacing and the way right. like um like scenes in the courtroom are always like sort of fast paced and you get the sort of back and forth so things kept progressing. Right. Um, yeah. Um, anything sent out to you particular? In particular, um, not too much. I I still don't know what to make of Hugh Grant's character. I don't trust him. I mm-hmm. I I can't trust him. I almost had I had to mute the scene where Hugh Grant was trying to cry because that was cringy. I was like, oh god, the part <laughs> where they talk about his sister. <laughs> I really yeah, because I didn't. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how to feel about him because I feel like the show is trying to. They've pushed us toward him, and then they push us toward Grace, and then right. this revelation at the end, they kind of set up to think, oh, maybe the son was responsible. Right, right. But then they shift, sort of shift back to to um, Jonathan before the episode was over, so it's sort of up in the air. Right, there's, there's too much. There's too much going on, but... um. But yeah, I, I, I agree in that the pacing of this one made it, you know, um, tolerable. Like, it made it good. And I, I still don't know what to make of the show as a whole, but yeah. I'm, I'm staying in it for the long run. Yeah, we've only got one episode left, so right. <laughs> so we'll see how it wraps up. But the show is definitely not what I was expecting. No, no, no. Um, for a limited series, at least. Right. Expecting a little bit more not continuity, but just something more uh, concrete, I guess, or... And uh, what's funny, and I was going to put it on there for the Food for Thought, but we wouldn't have had time. An article got posted today on Vanity Fair talking about how um, the the murder on Middle Beach, which I know we're both watching, Mm -hmm. is is the real world version of the undoing but better that's what the title is now that you mentioned that when i'm sitting and watching murder on middle beach i'm like because i watched it right after the undoing i'm like right this is so much better exactly it is it is it i i always feel bad about murder things like being super into it and interested because you know somebody passed away that's his mother like this was something different to him than just to us but this past week, oh my god, man! Like, yes, man, that's... <laughs> I left the episode like, wait a minute, right? Yes, like the whole, was... not the whole family, but like folks were just wilding. Yeah, it was crazy, but, but yeah. So if you want to read that article, that's on Vanity Fair. Uh, but um, yeah, we'll get back to the undoing. But... Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, this. This has by far been the best episode. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the I don't know. I just feel like we sh- we should have had more episodes to sort of delve into some of these topics. Like right. why? I mean, they're telling us why, but like we needed more context. Like why he hasn't been hasn't spoke to his family since they've been married. Like what? Like. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I know. I completely agree. We should have known about his sister earlier. And yeah, the fact and, that... and I really forgot. I mean, I didn't forget about the mentioning the dog, but why right. did I say you killed a dog when it was your when your sister died accidentally? Like, who? The, those two don't even com- compare. Yes, that makes no sense. It's just kind of odd. Yeah, I agree. Um, anything else in this episode? Like, dislike, stood out, good scenes? Um, I kind of, I don't know. I still don't know about Elena's husband. I, I They keep <laughs> using him. I don't think he did it. I really don't. Um, they, they randomly pop in Lily Rabe's character. Yeah. I'm not sure what to make of her either. I, I don't know. It seems like at this point in the show, some of the some of the stories should be coming to a close. And I just feel like next week, nothing's going to hit the way that it should. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They could have maybe used three more episodes to sort of... Yes, yeah. Pull the stretches out a little bit better. Yeah, but next week will be the series finale of uh, The Undoing, episode six. And now we'll get into His Dark Materials, season two, uh, the first two episodes. Um, episode one was The City of Magpies, correct? I believe so, yeah. And then uh, this past week, or this week, the episode was The Cave. Um, mm-hmm. Just what are your thoughts on the story so far? Because when we left off, Lyra had gone through um, to this new world. Will had gone through to this new world from his um, England and um, Azrael's gone, Roger was sacrificed and uh, what's her name? It's slipping me, Ruth Wilson's character. Uh, oh no! Oh God. Um, what? Oh, she's like the yeah, the main sort of villain, the character. Yeah. Well, she missed somebody. She um, yeah. She sort of her plan has kind of gone aloof, but she's still um conspiring with the Magisterium to sort of get what she needs. I cannot believe I can't remember her name. Oh, Coulter, Mrs. Coulter. Yes, I knew it was something like that. Yeah. So, what so, were your um, thoughts? Go ahead. Um, I think it's good. I, I, I mean, I'm still. I, I don't, not to put the show down, but I won't say that it's a good depiction of our good, like depiction of the books. You know, it, it's hard to capture that magic of something mm-hmm. that you read as a kid. So it, so I'll, I won't let that get in the way of what I think of this show. But for these two episodes, um, I like what's going on. I like the witches. They bring a different yeah. um, element. You know, it's a, it's a different somebody going up against the magisterium. I mean, everybody is, but now they're like the direct opposition to them. Mm-hmm. And then I like everything that's the change and the uh, kind of backstabbing that's happening in the magisterium and everything yeah. too so it's a brings something different so yeah 
yeah, I, I really like um, what the witches bring, and we were always got alluded to them in the first season, but to see them now, like in action right. and everything, it it's driving the series better. And I really love the the hierarchy in the magisterium and how um, the one priest is sort of like maneuvering to take control, and of course, Miss Coulter's there to to maximize off, you know, right this opportunity for herself. Um, all her scenes are great. Ruth is yeah. excellent. She she commits. Yes, definitely. And um, I was going to say something. I love how, um, again, this might have been the goal anyway, but just sort of the display of sort of like how the magisterium is this institution of male thought and basically any female thought is viewed as adversary like miss coulter is there simply because of her family lineage right and everything but like there's a reason why all the witches are female and like right their thoughts on reality and life and the mysteries of life are deemed as you know wrong and blasphemous yeah 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 that sort of opposition i i really think is interesting um i guess we'll see more of the specters eventually i just felt like we kind of hit and miss with those yeah narrative that was yeah it it wasn't enough because yeah they were around those little kids and then they weren't it's like wait what yeah, that I felt in the episode when that kind of happened so fast, I was like, "Well, what's going on?" Right. Um, but yeah, I really like the cave. And some reason I expected them to be like in a cave. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just the term the computer that right. the scholar is using, I thought that was um, a good scene. How Lyra was sort of like in confirmation of what this stuff is and right, yeah. dark matter, which is definitely high intellect. Um, physics there right anything else in this episode um stand out to you um i don't not too much we got a little bit more of will's mother well he goes to see his grandmother and we get all that about his father and Mm -hmm. um and that's that's kind of an interesting storyline so i guess we'll see where that goes but um, I don't know. It not there wasn't there wasn't too much. They've been good episodes, but they've not been like talk full of information. Yeah, 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 yeah. They'll sort of lean us on steadily. So hopefully, there's like a build up to a right. mighty um, clash or climax or something. Right. All right, so we'll have episode three next week of His Dark Materials. And now we will transition to our feature presentation where we have our last segment of uh, discussing season two of Hannibal, episodes Mm -hmm. 10 through 13. Um, Let's see, we'll do this. So we'll talk about the first two episodes, 10 and 11 as like one segment and then 12 and 13 as one segment. Yeah, that works. So uh, uh, 10 and 11 are uh, Nakachoko, 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, Konomono. Um. So, murder of the week or murder of this episode. I believe for episode ten, the murder is of Randall Tier. Correct. Yeah, I think that's really the only one. Yes. Yeah. So, as we uh, discussed last episode, um, Hannibal sort of has a takes an attempt on Will's life using Randall, a past patient, and Will sort of gets the upper hand. Mm-hmm. And um, the illusion that they killed Randall together. So they find his remains. Um, how do you describe it? Sort of attached to like a, a museum artifact, yeah, basically. Right, yeah, yeah. Sort of like pairing him within his true nature. Right. Um, which was definitely something I forgot <laughs> about. Um, and then this sort of leads to the premise that Will and Hannibal are in this sort of like murderous affair picking off villains for each other, sort of in tribute to each other and whatnot. Right. So what are some of your favorite scenes, uh, episode 10 or episode 11? <laughs> I think these episodes, this stretch of episodes, this is, they have to be some of the darkest, both quite literally in the way that it shot, but then, in, you know, uh, we start seeing the stag more often. And uh, mm-hmm. When that happens, um, it, it's just I don't know. It's, it, Will just losing his mind in that in that first scene where he comes through and he grabs the stag and starts beating it and everything. I think that's a really good scene. And then towards the end, where he's kind of doing, but he it generally kind of creeped me out when um, Freddie closes the freezer towards the end of the episode. And uh, he's standing back there in the corner. Yes, that yeah. that confrontation felt like so so anxiety inducing. Like yeah, it was yeah, something it was, out of a horror film. Right, it was uncomfortable. Yeah, because you're you're sitting here knowing you're supposed to be rooting for Will all this time. You've been rooting for him, and then to see him sort of descend into this savage killer. Yeah. And Freddie just like you you hate I mean, we've learned to love to hate Freddie, but even yeah. she she's doesn't more, deserve this. Right. She's just she's annoying is the thing. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. but she's you know, she's the one that pieces together, you know, children wasn't just big ripper right. and she's had it out for Will all along. Right. Um so yeah. Um and we also finally meet Mason Verger. Oh God, yeah. My, who's uh, portrayed by Michael Pitt? I don't think we've ever seen Michael Pitt in a role that was good, or the protagonist. Of- oh yeah, like where he's a good person. No, <laughs> yeah. he's always somebody bad. Yeah, he plays a, the great villain, or just just someone mm-hmm. that's off, like totally off. Yeah, yeah. Um, but him, just the introduction to him and. You just know from the way Margot talks about him, he's not a good person, but then you see him. And I think it's episode 11 where we see him. Um, 
I mean, we meet him here. He's talking to Hannibal and whatnot. But you right. see him speak to that boy at the stable. Yeah. Um, Ask him if he likes horses. Yeah, it was really uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just laying the foundation that this guy is not, yeah. not a good dude at all. Um, and it speaks toward the privilege that he's had to be able to sort of evade you know, what we would, we would call today sort of like accountability, you know, justice for crimes, but um, yeah, just just disgusting. Yeah. Um, anything else on 10 or 11? I think 10 leaves us off with thinking that Will's killed Freddie. Yes. So we end with that. Then he goes over to uh, Hannibal's house. Well, well, first, there's the call that Freddie places to Crawford. When she's in the car, she's screaming, trying to get away. And that's yes. all he hears. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to Hannibal's house for dinner. And he's like, oh, where'd you get the meat? And uh, Grant Will's like, oh, it's Long Pig, which is like a nickname for human flesh. And so we're like, oh shit, he he killed Freddie, and now they're eating this woman. Yeah, yeah, and, you, get, you get that that slight remark about Hannibal sensing the animal, you know, was in panic when it was killed because the meat, yeah, right, the meat is um distressed, the meat is bitter. Right, right. Yeah, and then into eleven. It has to be one of the funniest scenes. I, I thought this was funny. When that body came down that damn ramp and it was on fire in the wheelchair, it's like, wait a second, what? It's the oddest thing because you're like, yeah. what is going on? Yeah, and the dude in the in the little ticket booth is just sitting there and then he, he watches it go past and then he grabs, I don't know what, and he follows it. But uh, Yeah, we, we are to assume that, you know, dental records identify the body as Freddie Lowndes. Right. And, you know, everyone's like, well, Will did it. Alana thinks Will did it. And she's finally clicking in her mind right. that something isn't right when it's, yes. I mean, it's Will, when she should have been suspicious of someone else all this time. Right, right. Um, but yeah, we, we get the full veil of Mason in episode 11. Um, and... Um, sort of, we get the hint that Mason has sort of violated Margot. Yeah. Before that's sort of like the relationship they had, and he discovers she's pregnant. Yeah. Because she, her idea is, well, if I have a child, they will be the heir, and um, sort of knock. Mason out of power. Yeah. And, um, and she got pregnant, obviously, for having sex with Will, but we skipped over that really strange sex scene where... Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, Margot comes to his house, and they're doing it, and then we get glimpses of Alana and Hannibal, but then... Yeah. Will and Alana, and then Will, Hannibal, and Alana. <laughs> like, wait, what? Yeah. It, it's so confusing yeah it's really weird yeah um i forgot about that but yes um and then back to mason and margo he basically 
aborts her child and yeah. I, he um, implies that he makes her sterile, basically performed a vasectomy yeah. on her. And it's like, what the hell? Yeah. It's, so yeah, now, strange. yeah. So now, you know, he's on their list, Will and Hannibal. Yeah. And we also, um, with Alana, you know, questioning Jack, screaming to him, you know, Will really killed Freddie. Like, he's out here killing people. We have to do something. We get the reveal, which I totally forgot about. Like, I was so sure she was gone. Right. Freddie is, is indeed alive. This was a plot right. that Jack and Will have devised together. And I think it was definitely hinted at I forgot all about this, but the scene where they're fishing and they're talking about, you know, if yeah. you hook them, I'll clean them or whatever. I'm a good yeah. fisherman. That's when that started to go in motion. Yeah. And it just didn't click for me before, but hmm. yeah. And then by the end of um, episode 11, um, everything seems to be going well until Hannibal's nose picks up a few cents. Yeah. Um, first, he smells the gunpowder on Alana's hands, which signals to him that she's sort of afraid right. um, of somebody, him, someone. But then uh, with Will, randomly, Hannibal gets a whiff of him, and he can smell Freddy's hair on yeah. him, which sort of Huh, makes you think, damn. Right. <laughs> that brings us to episode 12 and 13. Episode 12 is Tome Wan. Tome, Tome Wan. Yeah, I, your guess is good as mine. And 13 was Mizumono. Yeah. Um, and yeah, episode 12 is where we hear that you hook them, I'll land them. Yeah between Will and Jack. And this was very um, interesting. I don't think we have any more murders these next two episodes. It's just sort of like the action, like... Yeah. Well, yeah, run. people yeah, people die, but it's yeah, not... Yeah, but not... Yeah. Not the murders that we're used to, yeah. Right, right. Um, so we have Will and Hannibal, or... Yeah, we have Will and Hannibal sort of plotting against Mason. Um, and the diversion is that Will Will plans to like sacrifice Hannibal. Like they sort yeah. of get caught on purpose, per se. Right, yeah. And um, that's sort of like how they bag Mason. Yeah. Um, any scenes stand out for you? <clears throat> um, I think the interrogation scenes with, uh, oh God, I, I, the Dr. Du Maurier, uh, why, her actual name is escaping me. Oh, Julian Anderson. Yes. Yeah. The, her yeah. scenes when she came back in, in the, I think that was episode 12. Or mm -hmm. so yeah. Those were good. And just kind of how she explained how Hannibal worked. And she was, she was the person. We we learned that she's probably the person closest to Hannibal. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Her interview was it was frightening because she she's not well. Like you can tell. Right, yeah. Like she's she's frightened. She's scared. Like he he was going to kill her if she hadn't left the country. Um, and she's offered immunity for a testimony and just just the way she phrases things and mm-hmm. it's it's frightening. And she tells Jack, don't fool yourself into thinking he's not in control of what's happening. Right, yeah. Which we will see come to fruition. Yep. So um let's see, we Will and uh Hannah get the upper hand on <laughs> on Mason and this had to be one of the most insane yeah it's bizarre sequences um we have Will and Hannibal at the stable Hannibal's hanging there on the I guess you call contraption that sort of feeds the pigs yeah yeah and Will is supposed to cut him so the blood can get on the pig so he he'll be devoured ever and instead he cuts him loose, right. Will gets knocked out, and when he comes to, everybody's gone. I think yeah. the Carlos guy is dead. They yeah. kill him. And we see Hannibal with Mason back at Will's place, of all places. And he's sort of... He's like, he's like, he's fed him a cocktail of, like, psychedelics. Mm-hmm. The only way I could describe it is like the hallucinogen from Batman Begins that Scarecrow uses. Yeah, yeah, that's a good like comparison. It, like induce the fear or right. the sort of like the hormone that causes fear. So yeah. like he was seeing Hannibal in this like stark nightmarish state. Yeah, absolutely. And like he's so susceptible to instruction and he basically tells him, you know, carve yourself yeah to feed the dogs and will walks in and finds him literally like peeling his yeah. meat <laughs> he's like he's like peeling skin off his face yes and feeding his dogs i was like what in the hell is brian fuller <laughs> thinking it's nuts man. it is crazy and then in the end when they want to uh find out who's responsible for this, who they know is Hannibal. Yeah. Mason doesn't give him up. He basically says, you know, he did that to himself because, or the pigs did this to me. Um, and he's he's in bad shape. He's got a neck brace basically holding his face together. Yeah, and yeah, and the tables turn because um, now, now Margot mm-hmm. is in charge. He is depending on her care. But even when he's in the bed, I can't tell if he's back to his normal self or in like that psychedelic state because he sounds he sounds like bizarre still. He's like he's yeah. almost in a in a jovial type of mood. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just it's, it was a lot. Yeah, it was it was a crazy episode. And then thirteen, um, thirteen wastes no time to get to the bullshit. Right. Yeah. Um, as we saw uh, in episode one, 12 weeks prior, Hannibal is fixing sort of like the Last Supper, as you'd say. Jack mm-hmm. arrives and 
like that. They're they're fighting to yeah. the death. It's and, on site. <laughs> yes, on site. The very description. And we get to episode 13. And I love the scene where it goes, the conversation is between um, Jack and Han- I mean, Jack and Will and Hamill and Will, and how he's like discussing the plan they have against each other. Like he's playing a double agent. Right. That was amazing. And it's like, it's like neither one knew, but both of them know. Like he's sort right. of playing the other. Um, any other scenes stand out to you before we get to the the zenith of the episode? Uh, I I think I don't know. The just yeah, the the fight was when that popped off. It, it, like you said, it, it got right to it. Um, and Crawford was pulling out his gun and then Hannibal throws a goddamn uh, knife at him and it sticks in yeah. his hand. And, and then it just, yeah, it's just, from there, I think that's like the first bloodshed in the episode. And this had to be one of the glorious episodes. Definitely. Yeah. Because the bodies left behind is just... Right infathomable so the plan was <laughs> to sort of entrap Hannibal but Cynthia Nixon's character from Internal mm-hmm. Affairs decides you know what you're doing is wrong what you did ha- what happened at Randall Tier is wrong you're covering for a murderer she takes Jack's badge but that just gives him the free range to do whatever the hell he wants no badge yeah, exactly. no rules no problem so um he arrives at Hannibal's estate, basically mansion, and like we said, it's on site. The fight is brutal, like mm-hmm. the bone cracking, the use of utensils, yeah, the amount of blood everywhere. Jack, you know, Jack had the upper hand at one moment, but then Hannibal uh, stabs him. Well, yeah. basically cuts his jugular, yeah. and he's hiding in the wine cellar, and ties his tie as a tourniquet to sort of like survive it's it's extreme for NBC. yeah it was extremely extreme <laughs> and then we get alana who shows up and sis this is what you get for sleeping with the enemy yeah yeah she got there ready to fight and there's no bullets in the gun because prior Hannibal smelled the gunpowder knew she had the gun and took the bullets. And right. Instead of running out of the house, maybe getting some help, she goes, goes upstairs. She goes upstairs, the horror flick trope, and runs right. upstairs in the house. Uh, meanwhile, Hannibal is still, you know, trying to bang open the wine cellar door to get to Jack. Yeah. And as Alana's uh to call reloading her gun, she runs into a ghost. Yes. <laughs> Abigail Hobbs is very much alive. Right. And um, we find out all this time Hannibal was hiding her off because his goal, his dream was for him and Will to escape and father Abigail as their own, as they're sort of like this definitely uh, deranged 
blended family. Yeah, this this show is so twisted. There's <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and she's like, "Oh, Abigail, blah blah blah, girl, yes." And Abigail's like, "No, I, I'm yeah. sorry." And then pushes her out the window. <laughs> when I tell you, when this episode ended, and I was waiting for season three, I was like, yeah. I know all these folks didn't survive. No, there's no way. Because <laughs> Alana gets shoved out the window. By then, it's raining, and she just lands on her back on the pavement. And she's there yeah. long enough for Will to show up at the front door. Right. The so Will arrives, and he runs into Abigail and he can't believe she's alive. He's like dumbstruck, awestruck. Yeah. And Hannibal sort of speaks his piece, talks about how Will betrayed him, how hurt he is. Because for Hannibal to be connected to someone like that is a lot of work. It's it's foreign to him. Right. And to pay Will back, he makes him watch Abigail bleed out. Yeah, and that was that was a it, it was a weirdly emotional scene and a, a a scene absolutely with no emotion in it because yeah the connection that Will had to Abigail it seemed genuine and not really creepy in any way it seemed like he he really did care for her well being and then yeah he had to watch her die. Mm-hmm. And in an odd way, Hannibal, I mean, it's not like a this hurts you more than it hurts me type of thing, but right. in a way, he was hurt. Like, he doesn't normally, I mean, he can't cry, all that right. stuff, but he's hurt because Abigail is part of his family as well, right. and so is Will. So he kills Abigail and then stabs Will. Right. And he just leisurely walks out of the house. Yeah, he even, he even grabs his coat. That's the best yeah. part. Because it's raining, yeah. Elsa cab and evades police as they ascend onto the scene. Yep. And that was <laughs> season two of Hannibal. Yeah. That's how it ends. Absolutely. Um, awesome. Best worst character of sort of this block. We kind of forgot about that, but of these four episodes, because it's mainly the same characters in these last four episodes. I think from the there was nothing redeemable about um mason he 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 takes oh yeah 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 definitely worse just the he's a sadist he they imply he prowls on children he's abused his own sister right um yeah he had to go right i think the best um i will say will in a way and Jack, because they finally saw eye to eye as to who the culprit was and what needed to be done. Um, right. And I feel Jack owed that to Will as quickly as he turned on him near the end of season one. Yeah, I agree. I, I would, I would say Jack, and then maybe with an asterisk, I would say Margot because she, she didn't do a lot, but. Every time you saw her, you were rooting for her. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're like, come on, you need to get it together. <laughs> yeah, get right. get out of this situation. Right. right. And what are your final thoughts on the season as a whole? Season two. Um, 
season two, um, like I said earlier, I remember as I watched it, this rewatch, I remember watching it for the first time. Like, so some of this stuff was like new again in a way. It was, it was kind of uh, like, a, like, oh, wow, I have forgot that. But it was good. It was much darker than the first season. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't, I won't, there weren't, there weren't holes in it, but there were parts that just kind of seem, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Just um, I think Will's thing of getting out of prison and going to prison in general, something about that whole situation just, it happened too cleanly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 It like, we don't, we don't need like the whole law explained mm. to us, but right. It was a little smudging here and there. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think definitely on this rewatch, we could say it now, but in hindsight, we, we didn't know then. The Alana character deserved okay. more in season yeah. two. Like season one, she's sort of like this contemporary counterpart to her peers, you know, intelligent. In season two, she's just like, oh, a dick. And, and everything just right. went out the window. She wasn't really utilized in the plot. She was just sort of like a plot device. Absolutely. And it's ugh. yeah, she's kind of reduced to just yeah, almost. Uh, um, yeah, she was kind of just like it. She was the rope in a tug of war. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. it's almost like the Marvel characters sort of kind of suck some of that. Yeah. Up, but then again, like without Abigail and the limit limitations on Freddie, there wasn't another female character Mm-mm. for her to engage with. So the Bechdel test definitely sort of flat. Because, I mean, they killed Beverly, so... Yes. And they really could have taken out one of those other male... Oh, hell yeah. ...corners. Because they were just comic relief. Like... Right. Hello. So... Like, so, yeah. yeah. So that's season two, and that concludes... Our second edition of Second Stream Around, we'll get to season three sometime. I don't know. That's yeah. definitely one I don't remember anything from. No, I, I remember it being strange and kind of all over the place, but yeah, it's... it's Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, before we get out of here, where are you streaming for the weekend? i got a couple things. Uh, I have to catch up on the... Um, the small acts, the, the which you just talked about, the mangrove thing and all that, those movies on Prime. Um, Between the World and Me, I, I think that starts today or this week or some point um, on HBO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they put out a podcast already, which kind of threw me off. So um, I know it comes on this week, so I'm going to watch that. And then yesterday, the FX redo of the of Black Narcissus came on it was three episodes they all came on last night and i recorded those so i'm going to try to knock those out um over this thanksgiving weekend so okay um for me i know they released it early for free i'm not sure where exactly but thursday um the flight attendant drops okay 
on HBO Max, and this is Kaylee, uh, how do you say her last name? Kuko? Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, Kaylee Kuko's first uh, big series after the Big Bang Theory. It's a limited, I think it's a limited series. Um, and it's sort of like a dark comedy, sort of a different take than we usually see her. So I'm interested in that. And, you know, some things I'll watch, try to finish, wrap up for the Thanksgiving break um whatnot so we hope everyone has a, a great happy and safe thanksgiving make sure you're not uh congregating with a whole bunch of family members you know covid is right. still happening um and make sure to follow us on all socials at as life podcast i'm more content at streamablelife.wordpress.com and we will see you next wednesday remember keep streaming Peace. Thank you for listening to another edition of It's a Streamable Life. If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast on Apple Podcasts and all other major platforms. And for more content, follow us on our socials at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at AS Life Podcast. 